All right, here we are. Here we are. No, that's not your, that's not your line. That's not what you're uh, supposed to say. What, what am I supposed, supposed to say? To say? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. We, we don't have like a <laughs> script or anything here, Scott. No, we, we just don't. Like... But we had. Do you understand how bits work? Okay, because we're gonna have a little conversation about the show within the okay, show. Okay, all you, right. Do you understand is, how bits work? Uh, all right, I'm, I'm sorry, I missed my cue. What do am you know I supposed to say? Just like I'm always, I'm always teaching you stuff, man. It's like I know, it, uh, constantly learning. Thank God we get to talk because your your growth trajectory would have plateaued if it weren't for this if weren't for this amazing experience that you get to have with me every week. <laughs> I, I continue to grow because of your influence, Scott. It's awesome. Hey, this is Ollie, and, and that's Scott. Scott. And, and what Ollie should have said is "Welcome back," but he didn't. Welcome do that. back. Yeah. See, now he says it. Welcome back. Him. Here we are. This is here episode here thirty-eight. 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 No, nothing funny to say about this no. episode. Just thirty-eight. 38 like you know 38 is like that number doesn't come up very often you know in terms of like math right i mean because really it's only factors are two and 19 like and how often do you use the number 19 not very often my friend so less now i will never i will <laughs> yeah. use it less now so every time you you hear the 38 come up you'll be like oh there it is oh, hey i know the factors and i know that it's very rare 38 so here we are Okay. So, and what are we talking about today? I don't know. I think maybe that's it. I think we, we talked about the intro. All right. We talked about the number 38. <laughs> yeah. See you It'll next be, time in between. <laughs> we'll call it the Sesame Street episode. This week's right. episode is about 38. So we've been spending the last couple of episodes talking about these, uh, these learning principles, these design principles for learning spaces. Um, and so we, we have two more that we want to talk about. And I think we're going to tackle maybe one or two today, depending on how, how the conversation goes. Yeah. Um, and the one is focusing on uh, learning spaces should be task responsive. And so I, th- I think that this is one of those things. And you know what? It's funny because I, I actually uh, texted somebody this yesterday because I, so I had a, a colleague who texted me yesterday who said, hey, I'm preparing classes for the upcoming semester. Can you give me some tools to use? Right. That's what he, that's what he said. Hey, can you give me some tools? Give to me use? some tools. Yeah. Can you give me some cool tools to use in my yeah. classroom? And, build, and, and building a house. You got any tools? And my <laughs> response and a quote was, tools are embedded in practice. What do you oh. want to do? That was exactly what I texted wow. back. I know. I said, tools that are embedded. That is a sassy academic response, I got to say. No, but it was nope. it was uh, a truthful response, right? Yeah, but it's a little sassy academically. Academically is like, hey, dude. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it, 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 yes, it is sassy. But I think <laughs> that's what they people come to expect from, from me is some from sass. You. A little yeah, sass. Sure, a little sass. Sure. But like, he, he's just like, like, Throw me, throw me some tools. Throw me some tools. It's like, okay, here's a hammer. Here's a, you know, screwdriver. Go off and do your thing. And it's like, yeah, no, here's, here's no, that's flames. not how. Right. Yeah. What are you trying to build, man? Are you trying to build a canoe? Or are you trying to build a house? Right. Like, come on. And that's and that's why, you know, I think that this learning principle, I think, and we'll unpack this a little bit more, is so critical. Is that being task responsive, saying like, if, if we're going to say that uh, a learning space is a technology, which I think we've said over this established. last couple of, we've Check. established over the, over the course of the last handful of episodes that learning spaces are itself a technology and those technology ha- and the technology has affordances, right? Mm-hmm. So that 
if those those two things are true, then in order to you know afford lots of different kinds of learning, then it better be itself changeable. It better be able to be uh, adaptable to the types of tasks and and activities and practices that we want to engender in those spaces. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this one is sort of like our version of flexible. So I think we both had sort of a not great reaction to flexible and not because it's a bad word, but because like many things, it it eventually becomes sort of this meaningless way of describing something. So uh, especially when it comes to learning spaces. So we were trying to say, well, what do we really mean by flexible? Like flexible, yeah, yeah, you want to be able to move the desks around. Yeah, you want to be able to move the chairs around. But why? Like, what is the purpose of being able to do that? And I think what we were trying to get at is purposeful moving yeah. around, right? Which is to say, yeah, we there's a reason we want to move the desks around. Well, why? Well, sometimes kids need to work in groups about a specific thing, and then they maybe need to work in pairs, and then they may, maybe need to work, we need to talk as a whole community. And and sometimes that requires rearranging the room. It doesn't always. And and again, you know, as you just said, this idea of like embedded in practice, like all these decisions are embedded in practice. Um, but this, this key, key idea about flexibility is that it should be there should be as little friction as possible for you to move through different forms or different kinds of practice or tasks, right? Like a good learning environment should have low friction in terms of your, your ability to, to reorganize students into different configurations, into different modes, into whatever, however you want to describe it. And, and that's what we mean by a task, right? So, so I think that's when we're talking about flexibility, we're talking about reducing that, um, that, friction um, to to encourage faculty teachers to to not feel like it's a big deal right? right like this is why it matters is like you don't want it to be a big deal to say hey you you group of four people get around a table and get out a whiteboard and start drawing some stuff like that should be able to happen like that like you Absolutely. don't want it to be a big deal so but i think like you know as you know as physics people, one of the things mm. we tend to do is push things to their, the, the, the end points, right? That's like one of our, uh, our tricks, right? The, is the, like the cow is a sphere whose mass right, is per, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, you know, we, we push them to the ends of the continuum just to like, as, as, you know, thought tricks, right. As yeah. you know, and so like, if, if we put it to one end of the spectrum, we have this idea where, you know, there's no flexibility. There's no, it's like, you know, that classroom in which everything's fixed to the ground. That's one end of the yeah. continuum. And then the other end of the continuum is that it's so open and, you know, undefined, right? That it would be um, hard to, in, you know, envision what this space is for, right? And I don't think you and I are pushing for either one of those. I, I think what we're doing yeah. is trying to say, uh, position a, a place in the middle someplace where there are, it still is a classroom, right? It's still a space in which learning happens, but it's offers, you know, the, the tools, the, you know, all the things that are needed to be uh, responsive to the types of things that we want to do as teachers. Mm -hmm. So if we're thinking about, okay, we're going to have, we're going to have a discussion, then it, you know, it's like the, you know, the transformer, right? It's like, 
you, you caught the sound and you yeah, knew what I was I talking about. It's like the transformer. So it still looks like a classroom, but it has the ability. Uh, and I, I, I'll pull back on that. It's not just a classroom. It's a learning space because mm-hmm. we, we are trying to say that it's a span between, you know, uh, Know, digital spaces and face-to-face spaces because this is the thing coming back to my colleague he was like yeah i i'm tired of text-based discussion boards yeah and and yeah and aren't we all right and yeah. he's, he's teaching an online class and he's like I'm, I'm tired of the text-based discussion board and i'm like all right well what else are you doing with your discussion boards because it's itself is like yeah. you know it's a it's a forum it's a it's a forum for lots of things to happen and if all it is is text then yeah, you're probably not doing a lot with that. But then he's like, well, just give me some tools, right? Give yeah. me some tools. Tell me about Flipgrid. No. Right. Tell me about Flipgrid. Tell I'm me about Padlet. Tell me yeah. about, and it's like, sure, I can, I can do that. I can yeah. give you the list of, but it's like going to Home Depot and going, you know, I'm just going to pick up a whole bunch of tools and <laughs> take them home tools. with me. You know, I'm just going to buy tools, right? And and like, and that's the one thing, I don't know if I'm, I, I've said this, but like I, I have a, a, a buddy who, has worked with Home Depot, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, this is like a real story. He has worked with Home Depot. This is a real story. It's a real story. I'm not making <laughs> as, this up. As opposed to the other stories we did. Right. right. Sometimes I make stuff up. Right? This one is not one of those. Yeah. So, um, and he was doing some some work with them in terms of like uh, it, training and stuff. And, and what they train their employees is to never say, hey, what are you looking for? That's the, <laughs> that they don't, yeah, like idea. if you walk, right. yeah, that's not the question they ask mm-hmm. because that if they ask that question, then it's like, oh, like yeah. I'm looking for a hammer. You I can't know, well, really help them. You can't really help them. Well, you can just yeah. direct them to where the hammer yeah. is. But the better conversation is built on the question, what are you working on? Yeah. What are you trying to do? Right. And so that that leads to, you know, oh, have you worked on this? Or, hey, are you maybe because someone who is comes in saying, I'm looking for a hammer and they're doing a plumbing project. There's probably a really maybe not. Some, the, yeah, they're, they're, there might be a disconnect there. Right? right. There might be a disconnect between what what they need and what they want to do. Right. right. Yeah. And I've, I've heard this described um, in terms of technology as the X, Y problem, um, oh. which is uh, because the the uh, and the reason they name it that is the orthogonal dimensions right um wow of, look of, at you uh, thank you oh wow yeah, there, there i think we, ding 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 we just have the uh title of the episode right there <laughs> orthogonal dimensions uh yeah, go ahead i'm sorry on. i didn't interrupt yeah. wow <laughs> like you don't know what that means nerd <laughs> nice try um so uh so but what that means is that um Oftentimes with technology, the people who, and this is mostly relevant for tech support, but they're asking a question, they're trying to solve a problem, but really they're, they've, they think they know what the problem is and, and they're now trying to help you solve the problem that they think it is. But it turns out that often the problem that they've identified is the wrong problem, right? And that's this XY problem. And I think it's similar to yours where it's like, well, I'm tired of text-based um, you know, message board systems. And it's like, well, what are you tired of? Because maybe right. that's not the problem. The problem that you're trying to solve is you want a new tool to do the same thing because the 
old thing got boring. So this goes back to death march with fun sauce. Right. Like I'm gonna, I'm not thinking about my pedagogy changing. I'm thinking about like how do I put a little fun sauce on top of the mess that I've already made to see if it makes it more digestible and interesting. And really, what you want to say is let's back this up and see. Maybe you don't need new tools. Maybe you got all the tools you need in your shed, yeah. but you got to think about what you're building. And and if you if you change what you're building, then to do what to do to do what you actually want to do, then maybe the tools you have are adequate for the job. And so right. so there is this XY problem. Like, is this really what are we trying to solve? Let's do that. And I think that's a that's my um reinterpretation or or re reframing of the question, but that you answered sure. for your friend, right? I mean it's basically the same thing. What you did was say, maybe this is an XY problem for you, right? Let let's talk about the practice and let's not talk about the tools yet. What, what's, what's interesting is that like, so we're, we're talking a little bit about ed tech here. So, I mean, yes. I will go down this a little bit because I think you and I are both to some degree, probably me a little bit more than you, but we're both in the ed tech community, right? We're both in um, work with instructional technology, educational talk, technology, whatever they yeah. want to yeah. brand themselves this week and, and learning technology, learning technologies and, and all that. And, and so I, we've both participated in call. We've gone conferences like this and, you mm -hmm. know, state conferences and national conferences. And, you know, our, our state runs a big one, you know, and it's, it's well-funded and there's lots of, lots of attendees and there's lots of vendors and all that. And I've presented there a bunch of times and, and I've, I haven't gone in a handful of years because I, I presented something really, what I thought was uh, some pretty good research on, mm -hmm. you know, doing some cool things and innovative things and, in with with teachers and at, at in a, a local school district i won't get into the actual work but yeah. what what i found was like there was nobody in my room like was there no one attended like no mm -hmm. one attended my session it was just me and the people like the teachers i had worked with and a couple other people and i was like really disappointed and maybe you know that's that's its own thing but i go down the hall right after my session and there's a session on like 90 tools in 90 minutes right yeah. <laughs> and the place was <laughs> packed it was packed there was people standing in the doorway right they were right. like like oh i just gotta write down and and if you're doing 90 tools in 90 minutes or 60 tools in 60 minutes or whatever and i, I think there's a couple of people who've actually like this they've become somewhat you know famous for this right. locally and like nationally and i'm not like like poo-pooing them but oh, i'm, I'm <laughs> i just did it i said poo-poo the, <laughs> poo the recurring character i i know but i, I not to like put them down, but it's just a laundry list of tools. It's like, you know, it's like going to Home Depot and walking around yeah, and here's just, a hammer and here's a screwdriver. Right. I mean, imagine if you did that. A imagine, trade show. Right. If you went to a trade show and just walked around and go, all right, here's a hammer and this, look here, it's a wooden handle and look at the top, it's this, yeah. and then put it down and then pick up the next one. And it would be like, imagine if that was the case. And that yeah. is huge in the ed tech community it's huge yeah. for this just to be this laundry list of tools and 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 i was like going okay well you know how would you use that like i would raise my hand and, and say well, how would you use it? i didn't actually do this but no. i i envisioned this to. happening i wanted to i so wanted to this is and, a story that's not true is what you're saying no i i didn't go in <laughs> i walked by and and angrily cursed you know i didn't actually curse but i but i felt like you know, come on, is that really, is, is it really uh, where this is that it's just about these tools? It's just about the technologies. 
Um, because again, it goes back to my text to my colleague last night. It's embedded in practice. It's embedded yeah. in the things we do. It's embedded in the tasks that we have our students do. And it all should be based on learning. Because if somebody goes, hey, I'm doing, I'm doing blogs with my classroom or I'm, hey, I'm using Flipgrid with my classroom. My next question is, well, what are you doing with them? You know, because that's more interesting to me than, hey, I'm having my students do podcasts. Well, you know, if you have them reading a script, not something that they've worked on, but something you've given them, that's not the, you know, where's the authorship? Where's the, you know, the student voice? Where's all the cool stuff that comes from that? Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, so it brings it for me, it brings up a couple, two things specifically. So one is this obsession in technology. And I don't know if there's a guy thing and I don't want to gender it exactly, but it feels like a guy thing, which is a lot of it is about like, <clears throat> you know, if we're doing the analogy of um, tools again, it's like, well, imagine if every time a new hammer came out, like there was, there was a bunch of people talking about it in advance. It's like, I hear this one's got like a bigger head and maybe it's striated for, you know, right. whatever. Right. And so there's this obsession with like just the tooliness itself. Right. And there's all sorts of, you know, ways this metastasizes um, into other places like productivity, right. Where it's like, well, I, I need to find apps that are going to help me organize my right. life. And that's, what's going to do the right thing for me. So I think this like obsession with tools can be really awkward and, and, and bad because it does shift your focus away from um, the core problem, which is, you know, again, what are you trying to solve? And, and what that brings up for me is, is something that happened to me this week, which is I've been looking like calling through my notes um, and <clears throat> I looked back at notes that I took when you were a graduate student here at Penn State, which was a few years ago, right? So this is like 2007. I was looking at my notes and there was stuff that I wrote in there about conversations that we were having and things that I was thinking about and things that I was reading that literally I could cut and paste into a document now because the fundamental questions you're always grappling with, right? right? Like these questions of, and those are the questions that you want to focus your attention on. Like, what is the purpose of what I'm doing? What am I trying to accomplish here? If that's where you're focused, then your, your teaching is going to get better. Your, your learning environment is going to get better. Everything's going to get better. If you're focused on the tools, you're just like, it's like churning the cream, right? Like you're only looking at the surface of your practice and you're never getting to what really matters. And that, that is unfortunate, right? Because if, if your inquiry, if the way that you're thinking about your teaching only has to do with, can I find a new tool to do this thing? Right. Then you can never get better. Like that, that's not going to improve your practice, right? It, it just isn't. Well, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard for me because I'm a self-described gadget person, right? I have, sure. you know, I've identified myself as that, you know, even I think as most recent as last episode, right? That is and correct. so um, I am a gadget person, but mm -hmm. I would say that, that I'm not about accumulating gadgets. I'm about finding things that I know I want to work on or something, some practice or something that I want to do and do better, mm -hmm. right? And so it's like, you know, I think last week's my, my joy was the row, like the rowing machine. Right. And I said, mm -hmm. you know, I think yeah. I introduced that by saying, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a gadget guy. Um, but I didn't go and I'm not accumulating rowing machines. Right. I'm not like doing that. That's not, not what, yet. Not, not yet. yet. No. Um, or I'm not uh, accumulating lots of things to just go, okay, well, I don't have one of those. So I, or I have never used that before. I'm going to try that out, you know, and just buy one or, you know, or, hey, I, I've been doing the rowing machine a lot, so why don't I – I mean, no, not to keep, like, you know, yeah. bang, you know, 
yeah. banging this. You like your rowing machine. It's okay. You just keep talking. No, but I'm, 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 I, I, what I'm trying to say is that I'm not doing it for the sake of the tool. I'm doing it for the sake of the practice that I want to support. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where my focus is. So if, if I uh, get a gadget, it's not because I want to get the gadget. It's because I'm, I'm focused on the practice and the gadget is going to help to support that. And I think that's, you know, it's, uh, I think one of the fav- my favorite ed tech quotes is is about it's pedagogy first. Mm-hmm. It's all about like we don't pick technologies based on what the technology can do, but whether what the pedagogy it supports. Yeah. You know that's the focus, and I think that that's the coming circling back to the learning principle here, the design principle here, is that we want to have learning spaces that are responsive. It's kind of like we want to have the you know this Swiss army knife of, of, of learning spaces so that yeah. as we go, Hmm, I want to do this today with my students and, you know, we can yeah. pull out the, I don't know. The yeah. That was a nice transformer. Yeah. yeah so yeah. The, I mean, one, one way I was thinking about it as you were talking about it is maybe the way to think is in terms of this idea of discipline, right? So one of the, one of the ways this comes up is disciplined improvisation. So this is a term that gets used a lot in teaching. Yeah, yeah. Well, not a lot, but it's a. Well, you, you talked about it a couple episodes ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. a couple of folks in in learning sciences who have talked about this, and it's it's it has a history. This idea of improvisation and teaching, but the idea of disciplined improvisation, the key frame there is the discipline, right? right. And discipline is a framework, and that's the key piece. Yeah. The, the I, I I have to say I, I love that term. I love the discipline of improvisation. Like every time you say it, I just go, that's awesome. And that was something I wasn't familiar with prior to like us, you know, a few episodes talking about it. And so this is one that's like been buzzing around in my brain ever since you 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 brought it up. Like, cause I, I think what what we're talking about is not like just, you know, improvising and doing anything, right? Just doing absolutely anything, but like providing some constraints to be able to say that this is the sort of like boundaries of which that improvisation is appropriate or disciplinarily appropriate. Right. And, and the discipline uh, piece of it is that you have a framework or you have a purpose or you have a goal or you have, and, and to take that back to our, our um, principle here, the, when we say the learning spaces should be task responsive, the, the key term in there actually is the task piece because that's what's disciplining this right so you have you have a purpose you have a task you're trying to accomplish something and that's what determines how the space should work right or how the and this goes right back to the tools right so they're all connected to each other so so the the disciplining of the space the that what decides how how the space is structured it should be the task the task should tell you how the space is configured right it shouldn't be that the configuration of the space determines the task which often is the way that it happens right like you go in and you're like okay all the chairs are bolted down to the floor and they're facing the front so what i got to do is lecture here so so the, this idea that the task is the is the thing, or in your case, the pedagogy or whatever, the practice, however you're going to term that, that is the thing that really should be driving all the decision making. That's what that's what disciplines the space. And that task is based on some purpose that you're trying to accomplish. So I want my students to do X, right? And and that is is um, why we were talking about task responsive spaces because 
really critically, um, you, you want to like, you know, back to the improvisation part of this, you want to be able to respond to your students, right? And part of responding is having an environment that allows you to respond in a way that's appropriate for the, what you're trying to accomplish. So you've got kids, you want, you want to switch from this to this because, you know, maybe in science, it's like, okay, right now we need to investigate this thing. So we've got a really interesting question here that Ali's brought up and, and nobody knows the answer to it. And we have the space in our room to investigate this question if we figure out how to do it. So let's shift from like big group conversation to small group lab tables where we're going to work on investigating this question. And maybe we're going to pull in equipment and set it up or whatever it is. Like you, you want to be able to do that because that, that is authentic going back to authentic task piece. All right. So I'm going to, uh, we were talking about this before the episode. I, I said, I'm going to push back. All right. So I'm going to push back because <sighs> I think that these things are, are blurring a little bit and I want to, yeah, I, I did a say, lot of blurring there. I'm sorry. I know. No, but no, there's a lot of blur. And, and what I want to do is, is take a, let's take a step back. I'm going to review the four things we've talked about so far in the last couple episodes. So we've I outlined four design principles so far. Um, and so tell me how they're different. Okay. And okay. I think this, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you like to give me the one word that's at the heart of this. Oh, uh, this, uh, this is like uh, a little game. This it is. is like, it is yeah. a game. Okay. okay. So the first uh, uh, principle I think it, we talked about was that learning spaces should scaffold authentic practice. Hmm. All right. So what's the, what's the core What's the prime directive? Ah, what's um, the core mission here? What is the core mission for this guy? Visiting. Um, uh, for me, I think you might give a different answer, but I think I would say authentic is the key piece of that principle. And you're correct. I would say it's the scaffolding. It's yeah. about like the development. It should be something that, but I think both of those are really good perspectives that differentiate it from what we're talking about right now about with task responsive. Okay. The second one, learning spaces should have a changeable center. Mm -hmm. That sounds like flexibility, but I don't think that's what we're talking about there. No, I think this, that one's a hard, I think we, this one, we might have to think about rephrasing, but if I had to choose a keyword in that, it would be center. Right. Because what, what's the, what's the core idea here? It's about discourse, right? I mean, that's yeah. where I, I read that and I go, it's got to have uh, the changeable center is like, well, the center is who has the voice, who has the control, who has the, you know, the mic, who has the, yeah. all of that. Right. So the discourse and, um, and who's the, I don't know, the primary, right. Yeah. Who's the, in that. Right. Right. So for me, it's, it's like, it came up last time when we talked or not however long ago when we talked about it is this is where the equity piece most clearly right. exists, which is like who, who has the, you know, if I'm going to use the fancy language, who has the epistemic agency in this classroom, who has the opportunity mm -hmm. to use and, and, and determine the knowledge tools that are being used in the classroom. Who's doing the explaining, who's doing the hard intellectual work, where is that centered? And if that is centered on the teacher, then we have a problem. And that's very different than the authentic. So authentic has to do with what you're doing. This has to do with who's doing it. Right. All right. So the, the next one we talked about was learning spaces should allow for multiple representation, representations and solutions. Mm -hmm. All right. Yep. So what's, what's the heart of here? I'm going to go, uh, 
I'm going to go with, well, so I'm going to speak through it a little bit. So multiple, I feel like gets captured in changeables in the center one. So I think I, otherwise I might think about multiple, but what I would go with is representations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think it's, it's about like how we represent ideas. How do we represent thinking? How do we, um, cause that's pretty critical to the learning yeah. process. Yeah. It's how, it's how do we externalize the thinking of the people in the community so that it can be examined and worked on. Right. I mean, this is, um, you know, again, using a sort of, uh, esoteric phrase, material representations or reifications. Right. Like how do we, how do you produce knowledge objects that everybody can examine? Right. And, and to do that in a way that reduces, um, you know, again, it's about reducing, uh, you want to reduce friction for the, for the learner. You want them to be able to represent it in a way that they feel will best represent their idea and having opportunities in the space to let them do that, um, is going to improve the learning environment. The more that you open it up to multiple representations, the the better the learning environment is going to be in that respect. Yeah, I think that that one is the learning leaves a trail, right? That's the that's yeah. the like the residue. Li- yeah, leaves a, a trail, leaves a residue. You know, there, you know, you know, yeah. footprints. You know, whatever, whatever we want to yeah. like. There's there's something there that I think that as we flesh this out a little bit more, that I think that's an important part is that there should be some you know, remains some, something. And we've talked about that in terms of there being a digital, you know, sort of like trail behind us in terms yeah. of not necessarily like, like a negative, like digital footprint or something, no. but in terms of like leaving like learning objects. And we've talked, we've talked about the utility of that in, in current, you know, the state with the pandemic, but also that's one of the things that we're hoping that gets carried forward is that we start to see that the, these things are, are important. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. A, yeah. Yeah. Right. And that was the, that relates the, the reason I use the term residue is that was related to that open innovation challenge thing yeah. I did here at Penn state. And that, yeah. you know, this idea of like, how do we create spaces that have a, a, a memory of what, what learning is happening in there? Yeah. I like the, I like the, the trail a little mm-hmm. bit more than the residue because mm-hmm. I think that the, the trail uh, it's, I don't know. It, residue seems like it's, like just like the leftover it has a negative right? connotation yeah it's like the residue from this like um uh, we we have this reaction and this is the residue this is the the byproduct and mm-hmm. and and it, it has it's not important mm. right and and i think that it is important it's like critical to the because it captured what the process the process and the outcome it, everything is there in that representation and so um i don't I think we'll we, fight about the metaphor another day. But right. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I love, I think we both do. We, yeah. we both like, cause I think we both find the power in words. Right. Yeah. And like, and what we call it matters, like yeah. calling things, something matters. And I think that um, it's, it's important culturally. It's important um, you know, whole, whole, from a whole bunch of different perspectives. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's, that's beneficial. Cause as we move to this, 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 the principle we're talking about today, it's clear that how these four are different from one another. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it, it it does, even though it, you know, it sounds kind of blurry. I think, no, I that, think they focus on different aspects. Absolutely. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So learning spaces should be task responsive. Yeah. Tools it. and technologies and classrooms are embedded in practice. And so that if they're embedded in practice, then if we have different practices, then that tool better change. Yeah. Based yeah. And, and I wonder if, if this, um, 
if responsive ends up, as we continue to think about this, if, if responsive ends up having that broader meaning of responsive, right? Which is, you know, when we talk about responsive, we're really talking about how do we as instructors or, you know, teachers, how do we respond to our students? Like we talk about responsive pedagogy all the time. Well, if we're responsive, then the learning environment should be responsive too. Right. Like it, it should work with us to be responsive. So maybe the key term there is responsive, even though we spend a lot of time talking, talking about, about task. task. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but maybe not. We'll see, I guess. That's TBD. And we have, we have. That's part of this process, right? That's part of the reason why we wanted to talk about this is, you know, you and I would, you know, flesh these things out with each other. Right. Because we haven't, you know, since we talked about these at, you know, and wrote them down in the back of a napkin and we, you know, efforted it, making a book proposal out of this, we haven't revisited it. And here we are. And And, you know, I think it's been a good conversation. Yep. No, very good. Yeah. So should we talk about Joyce? I, uh, I, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a transition into joy. I, I feel there's a, there, there is a, there is a joy here. There's some joys to be shared. Do you, well, please, do you want to go first? No, I want you to go first. So I, I have to say, you know, and this is probably, you know, um, a couple of weeks back from where we're recording this episode. Um, but, uh, the, uh, winter soldier, Falcon and the winter soldier mm-hmm. on Disney plus has been awesome ride and you know we i think we talked a little bit about wandavision at some point um yeah, we maybe did. in one of I our think one of one of us uh i don't remember it I yeah think so you, i think you recommended it yeah uh so this is like um disney plus disney is doing disney and marvel are, are doing these sort of long form series um the next one is coming out in the, and later in and i think maybe june is is loki so what they're doing is deep dives into characters and while uh the the one division really focused on one character, two characters. Two characters, yeah, right. Um, this one did that, but it's sort of like expanding the world, right? Expanding their focus. And as a comic book geek, I love it. I love it. I love that it's basically uh, a six-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and while the you know one division really you know was kind of you know, keeping us guessing every time as to what was going to happen next. This was an action adventure. This is like, this is all fighting and, you know, there's some dialogue here and there, but it was just that, right? This action adventure, six hour series of fights and, you know, an intrigue. And it was awesome. It is awesome. And so um, I'm, I'm sad to see it come to an end, but I'm excited to see where things go from there. And, you know, I try not to give any spoilers away in case people mm-hmm. haven't seen it, but if you're out there and you want to, if you're somewhat interested in it, it's a good, you know, binge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just read that it was the um, most watched premiere of any Disney plus. Oh, wow. Series. So that's awesome. Um, so, I mean, in fairness, some of the really great stuff that that Disney put out, um, like, happened in the early days when they yeah. when they were just starting out. Like, you know, we've talked about Mandalorian, but that was, you know, amazing. And uh, and I'm surprised that it beat Mandalorian. But then again, this has a much broader appeal. I yeah. think Falcon and, or and Hamilton, Mandalorian. like Hamilton, like come on, that that was like huge. Yeah, you know, and it beat Hamilton. That was that- really yeah, but that was really early days on Disney yeah. Plus. So there probably weren't even that many subscribers back then. When that was part of the way they got people to subscribe was like, hey, sure. you can see Hamilton. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that's so. I'll, I I was debating between two. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my uh 
the first one or the second one, whichever one it was, I didn't really order them, but, sure. um, uh, which is I'll stick with the comic booky theme for All this right. week. Yeah. So, um, so what I'm going to recommend is, uh, invincible, which oh, um, just nice came out as a series on Amazon Prime. So they've animated the original comic book. But um, and I ha- I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't looked at the Amazon Prime series yet. Um, but what I have done is um, gone back to uh, revisit the um, the comic books Um and, you know, it's just a, it's a really, it's a great series. It's got like a lot of um, interesting sort of twists and turns, but the, but the fundamental principle of the comic, just to, for those who don't know it, there's this guy from another planet and he comes to earth as sort of the defender and he, he gets married and um, has a kid and he has this sort of secret identity thing though, that it's a little vague about how secret it is. Cause he flies around all the time. He looks exactly the same when he's yeah, in a superhero. He's not wearing outfit. glasses. You know, no, he doesn't take off his glasses to magically transform into a superhero. Um, but anyway, he has a son and the, 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 series is about the son first coming into his powers and how he deals with um like being a super powered person but also trying to be a high school kid who's transitioning into college and you know all this other stuff and and he and his dad have very different views on on superheroing and so there's a lot of that sort of familial tension around that but you know it's funny it's a it's irreverent it's um it's it's got some really good stuff in it and i I hope i've heard good things about the amazon series so i'm hoping that they do i've watched the first like three or four episodes and uh you know we need to put like a little asterisk next to this to say it's adult themed yeah it is that very adult themed it is also very violent and it's a you know it's part of the adult theme right so i mean but it's adult themed in terms of language and in terms of sexuality it's in terms of all all things it is it is not uh it's not something to put your eight year old in front of, right? Because right. it's going to be. Right. It's like the Harley Quinn. Um, oh, yeah. Series. Like, yes. you sort of, yeah, that's not a thing you just want to sit with your eight year old and watch. You know, like it's. I was watching it by myself, the Harley Quinn series, and I was blushing at times, yeah. going, really? Yeah. Really? That's the, that's the language we use here? All right. Like, yeah. all right. There we go. And, and I kind of feel the same, same, same thing. Like, if you're a fan of the boys, but yeah, I was going to say I, the boys is in there too. Right? Yeah, so if you're a fan of the boys, or if you're a fan of Harley Quinn, then you're going to be a fan of uh, the Invincible series. I don't know. I am not familiar with the books, but I am familiar. I've watched the first four episodes because it came up on my my feed. Yeah. I'm like, sure, I'll check this out. And it's it's really good. It is really yeah. good, and it's voiced by a lot of really famous people. Like you're going, they got that person to do this, and mm-hmm. and it's it's really cool. Um, yeah. so the you know Amazon got some you know some some. Some effort behind this yeah. yeah they put some time and energy behind it so it's good stuff yeah so yeah so comic book nerd focused this week so we'll, we'll maybe next week we'll try and divert a little into into a broader appeal but yeah i was i was almost gonna go with uh you know uh some oh, other thing oh, 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 I, I'll, I'll hold my uh well, keep my power you dry are, you are so bad at that man you just got like <laughs> i know because once it's in the show it's in the show and then you can't get it back like now you've given two joys and now we got to have this whole problem like do we add it as a second joy and then what does uh, that i didn't mean? i didn't say it though i didn't I say know, it you got it but it was gonna be a podcast episode stop <laughs> series stop stop <laughs> just stop you're horrible <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm that you're, I'm that guy. Do you know what I, you you want to know? I got you for Christmas. <laughs> I was gonna say you're such a dad, man. You're just like, wait, wait, wait. Let me tell you. Wait, wait. Yeah, 
All right. I, I'm not going to tell you, but I'm not, not going to spoil it. But if I was to spoil it, here's I what would I'd have say. told you this. <laughs> oh, you're such yeah. a bad man. I am. I All am. Right. All right. Well, go there you back go. To your gadgets. <laughs> hey, well, this was fun. This is a good, yeah. good time today, Scott. Time. And yep. uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time. In between. In between. See you then.